Good morning. Good morning. Um, so we are we are honored this morning to have Anna Redmond in the house. Um, I've had the really the privilege and the blessing of working um, with the Kendrick brothers uh, for their newest movie that will be out next August. And I've met some wonderful people along the way. It has truly been a truly blessing. And Anna Redmond has been, she is the wardrobe designer, and she has worked on 14, now this is the 15th feature film, and she, she's out of Nashville and does a lot of um, costume designs for a lot of people in Nashville. So we like to welcome her to the stage. She has an amazing story, and it is so worth sharing with y'all. Can't wait to y'all to hear it if you would let me pray real quick and then we'll turn it over to you lord we love you today lord we thank you so much for uh for kendrick brothers for anna for the stories that they have lord we thank you so much for all of their their love for you for the impact that their movies have for the impact that anna redmond's story uh, has on so many people's lives. Lord, I, I, I lift, she is your daughter. And Lord, I lift her up to you today. Uh, I pray that your your Holy Spirit would just speak whatever it is that you have to say that you would use her as your vessel. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. <laughs> good worship. <clears throat> I'm hoarse, so that means it's good. Um, this is uh, not necessarily my comfort zone. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, my role here, I'm going to take these off because there's a bit of a glare, and it means I can't see you as well, so I'm a little less nervous with that. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, I am here uh, in Columbus. We've really loved being here. This is such a wonderful city. Um, I'm from Alabama originally. Um, and never really, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, <laughs> I would, everyone always asks me and my husband who we root for, Alabama or Auburn, and we really go, who do you root for? <laughs> when they say it, we're like, that's the one, because <laughs> we don't want to get involved, because it's just crazy. Um, uh, yeah, holidays are a little bit messy in Alabama because of those things. Um, but, uh, we, I have never really spent much time in Columbus until now, and it's been such a blessing and a joy to be with you guys. Jeremy has been able to be here a little bit this summer, but he just left last week uh, to go back on tour. He is, um, we are blessed that he has been a part of the Big Daddy Weave ministry since its beginning. So he's been on tour with them. Uh, since the very original, he's an original member. Can't believe it. We keep going. Is it really going still? It is. Uh, it's now 20 years of ministry for them, which is, um, just unreal. We went to the University of Mobile together and met, all met there. So he's on tour. So he couldn't be here, but he texted me and was just really excited that I was going to get to share my story, but it's really our story. And so, um, he's with me in spirit and supporting me right now. But, um, just to start, I want to read a verse that this verse just is constantly, um, a reminder <clears throat> of what happens when we say yes to what the Lord did for us on the cross. It's Galatians two nineteen. for the law for through the law, 
I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I, the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me, and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness, if righteousness could be gained through the law, then my Christ died for nothing. I did not gain the life that I live because of what I did. Because if I had received what I deserved for the way I lived my life, I would have nothing. And Christ died for nothing. So I'm going to give you a little bit of my story. Um, and I'm really just trusting the Holy Spirit because this is, like I said, not necessarily where I usually stand. Um, but I have trusted God with the story that he's written in my life and through my life. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says that we have defeated the enemy by the word, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And this is what I have right now is the word of my testimony. And it is a weapon against him every single day because I remind the enemy every single day that Christ's blood shed for me has rewritten my past. So I uh, like to kind of claim that, you know, we all have faced um, identity crisis in our life. I think that's fundamentally where we all struggle uh, is at the core of us. Who are we? Who are we? I was born a twin. I was born second. So I was born facing identity crisis from the very beginning. And I think the enemy had a bullseye on my forehead the minute I breathed air. But God had a plan to rewrite what the enemy was trying to do. Um, I was born second. So my face was never seen alone. I was never that child that just got to go, this is her by herself. It was, unfortunately, the way we operate as human beings when we see twins, we go, you know, and we try to compare, right? So my face was always being compared to another, and we looked nothing alike. She was the pretty one. <laughs> and uh, growing up, I didn't really, we grew up in a very, beautiful area of Alabama. Uh, we grew up on a 70 acre horse farm. Uh, it was magical. It was my Eden. Um, I walked with God. I have such vivid memories of walking in the woods by myself with my father, talking with him as if it was just me and you. And that was my childhood. It was magical, really, truly magical. And then one day I exited Eden and uh, I went into junior high. That's where most of us exit Eden. Um, and uh, my sister over the summer had um, gone through the change uh, that we're all as little girls going, okay, okay, when's it happening? Well, she went through puberty two years before I did. So she went into junior high uh, looking really different from the rest of the girls. And all the boys noticed, of course. And I didn't until ninth grade. So... During those two years of junior high, um, I started to retreat inside myself. I started to doubt 
um, what was going on in me. I truly thought something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because I was always sort of looking at my sister and going, we're doing this together, right? Well, two years. And in those two years, the enemy reaped just wreaked war on my heart and I retreated inside of myself. And I, and one of the moments that I do believe that we do, if we allow the Lord to show us moments in our life, um, where the enemy entered and, and seated a lie in our heart, if we allow the Lord to take us there, he will, and he will out of his goodness because he intends to set us free and replace it with his truth. A lot of times we're afraid to go there. Um, but the Lord showed me the moment that I exited Eden and the knowledge of good and evil in the world hit me smack in the face. And it was a very simple prank that a friend played or one of the boys in junior high played on me. And it ended up, um, because I had started to retreat inside of myself, I started becoming a little bit introverted. Um, I was an easy target, I think, um, for kids in junior high. Um, and, um, he played a trick on me and I ended up, uh, busting and blooding my nose in front of the whole class. (laughs) And I remember this moment where I'm, it's like all of a sudden everything starts crashing in on me. And at that moment, the enemy just starts flinging arrows at my heart and going, you're stupid. You're so stupid. How did you fall for it? And then I ran to the bathroom crying. And I remember my sister comes in there. She goes, oh my gosh, why did you fall for it? So then again, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. And then it was, why don't you love me enough? And I started to think, I am not worth it. I'm not worth the love. I'm not worth the attention. They don't look at me the same way they look at her. I'm not as pretty. She's the pretty one. I'm not the pretty one. And all of a sudden, the war just started on my heart. And I remember I looked at my sister with all the force of a 12-year-old girl. I looked at her in the eyes, tears streaming down my face. And I said, one day, one day I will prove to them that they are wrong. And something happened in that moment to my heart. There was a severance between my head and my heart. And all of a sudden... I was on a mission in my head to prove those boys wrong. But in reality, I was trying to prove the lies in my heart wrong. Because in my heart, what happened was I said, God, where were you? How did you leave me here? Why didn't you protect me? Why did you give my sister all of this? Why did you forget me? Why did you not love me enough? So that was my heart. My heart shattered because all of a sudden I believed the lie that God did not love me enough. So from that moment on, 12 years old, I began to become the most driven little girl ever. I was invincible. I was fearless, invincible, and really, really driven to prove everybody that I had value. I had to prove to them that I had worth. And the reality was I was trying to prove to myself. So I started on the path of great accomplishment. I um, 
was singing from a very young age. My family uh, is a family of musicians and singers. And while my sister was was named the the pretty one, I was named the talented one. Well, of course, at 12 years old, you don't really want to be the talented one. You want to be the pretty one. So I held on to that because that's all I had, I thought. And I was going to prove that that's where my value was. So by 15, I I had auditioned for everything I could possibly audition for. And I was winning like crazy. Um, I was becoming a very good vocalist. And I started touring the world at 15. I went overseas for several uh, weeks touring at 15, um, just super um, accomplished. I went to a new art school by the time I was 16. Um, very accomplished, very, um, I had proved a lot, I thought at that point, but I still wasn't convinced. So, um, by the time I was 17, I graduated high school early, gotten a full scholarship to a music school, went there, but, um, I went off to school and all of a sudden a modeling agent approached me and I literally thought she was seeing through me to somebody else because it could not be me that she was looking at. And it was all of a sudden I didn't realize that over those years I had actually grown into a woman (laughs) um, because I was still so focused on proving something. So I was really surprised when a modeling agent wanted me to sign with them. So I did. And then all of a sudden, I started getting the attention that I had craved for the way I looked, and it became toxic, and it became another source of proving. So I was driven in that area as well. I was trying to grasp at everything I could to give me a sense of value. I ended up um, moving to Mobile, Alabama. I got a full scholarship to the University of Mobile for music, for singing. And, um, when I got there, I met a boy and his name is Jeremy Redman. And he was, he is a just amazing electric guitarist, but he was a classical guitar major. And I just thought he was super cute, but we started hanging out and started talking about all of our dreams. And our dreams were to move to Nashville. He was going to be a producer, excuse me. And of course, I was going to be a session singer. And we had all of these plans laid out. So one day, he asked me to marry him. And I said yes. And we ended up um, getting married in October. Two weeks later, he he came home from a meeting with Big Daddy Weave had already formed. They had been a band for about two years at that point, uh, independent band. And he came home two weeks after our honeymoon and said, we signed a record deal. And I thought, awesome, we're going to Nashville. And uh, they whisked him away, put him in the studio in Nashville, um, put him on tour with a band called FFH, and they were gone. They were gone for about a month, and I'm still, you know, biding my time in uh, Mobile. I actually had gotten a job at 19 at a record label called Integrity Music because, like I said, I was super driven to prove myself. So I was working at Integrity I was a worship leader at my church. He was on tour with Big Daddy Weave. But I still had this dream inside of me that I had to go to Nashville to prove that I could be a a very professional singer. Well, he comes home from tour, walks in the door, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's pack up. Let's move to Nashville. And he sits me down and he says, I've decided I don't want to move to Nashville. 
And I was like, what? He said, I have really missed home. He was from Mobile, and I wasn't. He said, I don't want to be gone and come home to a place that doesn't feel like home, and this is home to me, so I don't want to move. I was stunned. I was shocked. I was hurt. I was angry. And I looked at him, and I was like, you have trapped me. You have trapped me. You've forgotten about me. It was that thing again. You forgot about me. God, you forgot about me. What about me? And all of a sudden, that was another window for the enemy to put a seed in me, a lie. And he planted a seed of bitterness in me towards my husband. It did not take very long to grow rampant in my heart. I... For better, for lack of better explanation, I hated my husband. <clears throat> By the second year of our marriage, I was involved in an emotional relationship with someone that I worked with. I made an excuse about it that it was just friendship, but I knew, I knew there was more to it than that. Um, I was finding a lot of satisfaction and validation in that relationship because I knew, I knew he was attracted to me. Um, so it was also feeding that side of me, you know, that needed the approval that needed the validation. Jeremy was on the road touring all over the place and we rarely saw each other. The chasm that had entered into our relationship just kept getting bigger and bigger. And again, I was a worship leader at my church. I worked for a Christian record label and I was married to a very up and coming Christian artist. And all inside of me was just overgrowth of bitterness and anger. And really, it came down to the place of going, God, you forgot about me again. So this relationship that had been emotional, that I kept excusing as a friendship, um, became something of a source of constant for me. We started traveling. He worked with me at the record label. We started traveling together for work, <clears throat> and <clears throat> one night, <clears throat> sorry, we had been at a big festival in Atlanta. It's called Atlanta Fest. You probably know what that is. I was working with a bunch of artists that were there, and this person that I had been in an emotional relationship with was with me. And my sister calls me one night. My sister's the emotional one. Um, I actually am pretty, pretty even kill most of the time, but it's all under the surface. Um, and she calls me and she says, you have to come back home. And she's this mess of tears and you have to come back home. And she said, um, granddaddy, they put him in the hospital and they say he's not going to make it through the night. And my response, I hung up the phone with my sister and my response was anger. I was so anger, angry, just, it just burst out of me. It overflowed. There was just this eruption of anger out of me towards my husband because I went, I'm not supposed to be alone. I'm married so that I'm not alone, but I feel alone by God, feel alone because of my husband. And now I've got to face the death of someone who I love very dearly and I'm alone So anger just 
erupted out of me. And of course, the person that I was involved with was there, strategically by the enemy placed (laughs) there. And he um, comes forth with all of his real emotion. He was married, had children, and it opened that door that said, let's walk through it together. So I had that invitation to have an affair, a full-on affair. So I go back to the, I said, this is how I responded. I said, I need a minute. Let me go back to my hotel room, tell, hotel room and I will call you. I had, in my walk from, my, from that car to my hotel room, I made up my mind that I was going to have an affair because I was going to kill my marriage. Not because I wanted an affair with this person, but because I wanted to hurt my husband. I wanted him to hurt as bad as I was hurting. And I thought, it's the only way I can prove to him that we're a mess. So I made up my mind that I was going to have an affair with this person, a full-on physical affair at that point. So I go to my hotel room, and I'm washing my face in the sink. And I stand up, and I look in the mirror. And my beautiful, gracious God gave me a moment, split-second moment. And it was a glimpse in the mirror, and it was a vision. And it was me, and I was 12 years old. And the Lord goes, "Mm, Anna, you're still that little girl. You're still that broken little girl. And I want to heal you. But if you don't let me, you will keep doing this over and over and over again. And I crumbled and I fell to my knees. I just started sobbing. I laid on the floor in the hotel room, just face down, sobbing. I didn't even know what to say to the Lord. I was so broken that I had no words. I knew that I was hurting but I didn't know how to cry out to him at that point because I had grown so distant to him because I felt like he had forgotten me. So I laid on the floor crying, and I said, Lord, I don't even know what to say. He opened the Bible, and it was Psalm, I think it was Psalm 61. I always forget, but it's, <laughs> but it's the, the prayer that David prayed after he sinned with Bathsheba. I did not find that verse. It opened, and there it was. And I literally just read it over, and I don't even know how many times, sobbing to the Lord, just praying that prayer that David prayed, because that was the only thing I had. The next morning, I get up, packed my bags, and I went home to Mobile. Jeremy walks in the door, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I said, I got to tell you everything. And... He sat down on the couch, and I told him, I said, I don't love you enough to make this work. I don't even want this anymore. But I know that you are God's best for my life, and I am terrified to walk away from him. I don't even know that I can love you again, but I'm terrified to walk away from the one who made me. So I looked at him, I said, I need help. We need help. 
we both were going down paths that were just destructive. He was too. And so we went to our pastor who married us. And he introduced, introduced us to a ministry called Restoring the Foundations. Um, it is uh, inner healing. It's biblical healing from the inside. And it was the most amazing experience of my life. It literally transformed the person that I am. But what happened in that process, I was speaking to a friend of mine recently. Um, I do a lot of discipleship now, one-on-one, and she was, and Sherry knows about this, but I, I was speaking to her, and one day she was crying to me, and she just says, Anna, I keep sifting through the rubble of my life, trying to find where this started, and I'm lost. And the Lord showed me this picture of her, and she was standing in this house that was literally dilapidated around her, crumbling around her. And she's weeping, and she's trying to pick up all of these stones to try to find the root of how this all fell down around her. And all of a sudden, I see Jesus, and he walks up, and he takes her, and he holds her, and he picks her up, and he sets her down on a rock. And she says, he says, stay here. He goes over. He picks up one boulder. He moves it, and he says, that's it. That's it. And what the Lord showed me at that moment was what we went through in that ministry was I invited him in to my brokenness. So many times we are terrified to show Jesus our brokenness. He already sees it. But we are afraid that we have to fix it before we come to him. And he's just like, if you just let me in, I will take you to the point that I want to heal. But the longer you wait, the longer you try to sift through the rubble of your life without letting him in because you're afraid that he will see your brokenness, the longer it will be before you grasp your healing. So the ministry that we went through, the Lord brought me to the dilapidated house that was my life. And he lifted the boulder and he showed me right where it was. And what it was, was that I didn't know who I was. What happened was, we're in this moment of prayer. And the, the Lord speaks to me in pictures. He always has. It's weird. Um, but it's a gift. And I think that all of us have that gifting on our life. But the Lord just amplified it in my life from a very young age. So he speaks to me in pictures. So I'm in prayer with the Lord after going through several days of ministry. And all of a sudden, I have this vision from the Lord. And it is a book. All of a sudden, this giant book lays down on the table. And I look at it. It's a dictionary. And I realize it looked just like a Webster's Dictionary. I look at it, and there it is. There's my name. My name is written there. And it says, Anna Daniel Redman. And to the side of it, where the definition is, it starts to list all of my accomplishments. She was a singer. She is a model. (laughs) She's married to a Christian artist. She works for a Christian record label. She's all these great things and all this list of every accomplishment that I had held onto, that I was carrying as my resume to prove my value was listed there. 
But as you keep moving on down the list, I started to see words like stupid, forgotten, unloved, ugly, abandoned. And all of a sudden, I realized that that was what I really believed about myself. All the other things were masking what I truly believed about myself and my heart. And all of a sudden, this hand comes and literally erases it all, wipes it all away. And beside my name, he wrote, my child, period. Something happened to my heart when my father said, my child, period, period, very significant. He said, nothing comes before this and nothing comes after this. This is who you are. And he said, Anna, you will wear labels your whole life. You will be called by different names. I have been called the second twin or the first twin. I was the second, but I've been labeled my whole life. We've been called by names our whole life. Good names and really bad names. And the Lord said, all of these labels that we wear are temporary. I was a worship leader. I was a worship leader for 10 years. And the Lord asked me to walk away from it. And I have not led worship since. If that had been my identity, I had been cast right back into the storm. You remember that scene in Wizard of Oz where... She's stuck in the house, you know, and all the winds are spinning around her and you see all these things floating by. That's what my life felt like. That everything that would fly by in the storm, I would hold on to it for security because it made me feel secure. But then it would slip out of my hands and I'd be spinning again. What happened when the Lord wrote my child, he said, Anna, all of these labels are temporary. All of them have a beginning and an end. One day, you were not called wife until you said, I do. You will be called, at this point, I had not had children. He said, one day you will be called mother. And one day they will stop calling you that all the time. Every label that you are labeled with will change. It is guaranteed. But he said, the one thing that will never change is the one thing that I called you when I formed you in your mother's womb. And it's the one thing I'm going to call you when I take your hand and I take you home. You are my child. I always named you that. When I formed you in your mother's womb, that is what I called you and I spoke over you. That was your identity and it will always be your identity. And when the Lord said that to me, it took me out of that storm and it put my feet and glued my feet to something that would never shift and never change. It reshaped my life. And what it did was it put the shattered pieces of my heart back together. I have never been the same because I heard my father, tell me who I was. So at that point, 
I surrendered everything. And I said, God, you can do with me whatever you want. And I strapped in and got ready for the ride because it has been more than I could have ever dreamed. My marriage is the most amazing marriage. We can fight like cats and dogs, I promise you, just like the best of them. But there is a solid love for each other, not because we have the ability naturally to love each other, but because God has come in and healed all the broken places in my heart and all the broken places in his heart. Something my daughter and I had a conversation about recently. She's eight, and she is very perceptive about the world around her. And as we know, it's all in our face all the time, the brokenness in the world around us. And she notices. So surprisingly, I have to address issues that I never thought that I would have had to have a conversation about with my eight-year-old, but I do. And one day we were having a conversation because she saw brokenness. And she said, Mommy, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's so confusing. And I said to her, I said, you know what, baby? I said, you're right. It is confusing. And I said, but you know how Mommy and Daddy love each other well, right? She said, yeah. I said, well, you know why we love each other well? She said, why? I said, because we allowed God to come in and heal all the broken places in our heart. And when God comes in and heals all the broken pieces of my heart, I can look at daddy and I can love him with that love. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I look at him and he makes me mad, I can love him out of that place. And I said, baby, I said, she had been studying about Adam and Eve in the Bible. And I said, do you remember, baby, when the snake came to Eve in the garden. She said, yeah. I said, what did the snake say? She said, well, he said that she could have, she could eat of the tree that God told her not to. I was like, yeah, that is what he said. I said, but do you know what he really said? She said, what? I said, he told her that God did not love her enough. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? God did not love her enough. And when Eve accepted that lie, she took it. She took the bait. She accepted that lie. It pierced her heart and it shattered it into a million pieces. Every one of us, I looked at my daughter, I said, baby, one day, one day, the evil one is going to knock on the door of your heart. And he's going to try to lie to you the same way. And I said, baby, I will fight with everything in me for you not to believe his lie. I said, but you have to fight. You have to decide that the one who made you loves you. Because he does. Because here's the thing. The enemy knows we are are, are God's most creation. He loves us more than anything he has ever created. He loves me. I look at him, God and me, and God goes, I made you, Anna, and I love you more than any creation. He looks at Sherry and goes, I made you, Sherry, and I love you more than any of my creation. Here's the deal. He says that to all of us. It's a unique love of a parent, isn't it? 
to love each child with all of the love that you could possibly contain. He contains more of that. And he has it for each one of you. But here's the thing. The enemy knows that. And the enemy is jealous. And he will try to convince all of us. If he, he has a bullet on all of our head. He will lie to us the same way. The same lie is that we are not loved by the one who made us. And I told my daughter, I said, baby, every one of us have been broken by the lie. When we enter this world that is broken, we get broken by the lie. And it's a bullseye on all of us. And then what we have to do is allow the one who made us to come in and put the shattered pieces of our heart back together. And here's the deal. He wants to. He really wants to heal you. Every one of you. He is not withholding healing from any of you. We just have to invite him into the mess of our life. I made a choice to invite God in to the mess of my life. Because everything I had painted on the outside looked real pretty. I was really good. I'm really good at making people look really good, even myself. And I was painting a really, really good picture. But I was a complete wreck on the inside that was overgrown with so many lies, so much noise. Because that's the other thing. He creates a lot of noise in us. And we have a really hard time hearing the Lord in all that noise. But God's voice is there crying out to your heart to just let him in. He's like, just let me into the process. I had a recent, I did a movie called uh, Imagine. I can only imagine. During that, pro I, every movie, like I know you guys have probably seen it and love it and it touched your life. And I'm so grateful to God that I get to work on projects that touch people's lives like that. But I'll tell you, every process of making a movie touches my life. God has something in store for me every time. So I'm always really expectant because here's the deal. I did not sign up to be a costume designer. That is not even my education. I was going to be a singer, remember? That's who I thought I was going to be. But I allowed God to write my life. I handed him the deposit of the gifts that he has given me. I handed them back to him. And he wrote an amazing story with my life. So I was very good at hiding all of those things. But what I did in a humble place with the Lord where I realized I was wrecking my life. I invited him in and I said, Lord, heal me. Please heal me because I don't know what else to do. If I keep going down this road, I'm going to destroy everything good in my life. And he did. He did. He stepped right into my mess with no fear. So like I said, I'm sorry, I forgot. Um, on, I can only imagine. I had a moment. And here's the th thing. I'm not perfect. I still face my mess. The enemy still dang dangles it in front of my face. Because he does. I am free. I walk in 100% freedom because of what Christ did for me. But here's the deal. I'm still on this earth. I am not dead yet. And as long as I am still breathing air, the enemy's still going to try to keep going. Because he wants to take my life. Until 
He knows he can't. So the only thing he can do is dangle the carrots of the sin in my life. My temptations in my life, they're still the same. I can still, I'm bent still in a way where I could easily uh, step into the sin of having a man attracted to me. It's a bait for me. But the Lord is good and always offers a way out. Always. Because that's the thing. The enemy will set traps every time. But the Lord always gives you a way out. And so I had a moment like that. And I was really frustrated. And I was like, Lord, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of this challenge every time. Because I'm a woman. And a crew of, uh, on a film set is a lot of men. So there's lots of carrots dangled a lot of times. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I got into a situation again on Imagine where it was like right in my face. And I was like, ugh. Lord, why do I have to deal with this? And the next morning I woke up and I, I was really frustrated with God. And I, I walked from my bedroom into my living room. And I stepped into my living room and had this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. I felt like he was sitting on my couch. And I went, <laughs> I went, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> Me and God, we've gotten to that point. And I was like, I don't think I can talk to you right now. And you know what he said to me? He goes, I know. And it's okay. But, Anna, if you will let me, if you will allow me, I will take your hand and I will walk you through this. But if you do not, we will circle this mountain again. The Lord wants you to climb the mountains in your life. But you don't have to do it alone. He doesn't intend for that strength to be your strength. It's his. You just have to take his hand and bring him in to the battle. He's already there. It's just an invitation. He's not going to force his way in. He wants you to let him in. And he will remove that boulder in your life. And he'll go, this is the area that I know you were wounded when you were three. Or you were wounded when you were five. Please let me heal it because I will. I intend for you to walk in freedom, but you have to let me in. We're afraid a lot of times that it's Pandora's box, aren't we? We're afraid to hand him the key to that box that we have stuffed everything into, all the hurts, all of the wounds. We're afraid to hand that key over to God because we honestly are afraid it's Pandora's box. And it's going to just explode. And we're not going to know how to stuff it all back in there. But I'm telling you, he is good. He is loving. And he is kind. And he will take every pain and every hurt and every lie. And he will replace it with his truth, which is, I love you. And you belong to me. You are my child, period. Nothing comes before that and nothing comes after that.
Thank you so much. Hey, y'all. Um, you know, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, about pouring out to God, and his he pours back into us. And one of the things that Anna said is, one of, and one of the things that he does, and he's just so big and so good and so awesome, that he, I think the word you used was erase. He erased everything behind me. And when he says, I'm going to put it as far as the east is from the west, that means it doesn't exist anymore. He takes that, and, and, and when the Father looks at you and, and, and all of that stuff is erased, he doesn't see all that dirt. He doesn't see all that filth. He doesn't see all of the sin. And he sees Christ's robe, white righteousness wrapped around us. It doesn't mean that we are righteous. I'm not saying that. Christ is. And so when the Father looks at us, and all of that stuff's been erased, he sees his son. What better could there ever be than, than that? And so I think about that today. And, and Anna said, he wipes it clean. He says, my child, period. He doesn't say my child until you're not my child anymore. That, that, that ain't the way it works. My child, period. And so I'm telling you, if you have not said yes to that offer that when does he stop pursuing us that would be never never he is chasing chase you up a tree he chases us and pursues us because he wants to call you my child period that period is cool that period is like way cool and so if that today if that is if today is the day you just have to say yes you pour out to him you repent, you say, I'm done with all of this stuff. He wipes it clean. It doesn't exist anymore. And the devil will lie to you and say, yes, it does exist. And, and it does go all the way back to the garden. Because what was the very first thing he said? Did God really say? That's what, and he's going to say that to us all the time. Did God really say not to do that? Did, God really, did he really say? Well, he didn't mean that. Well, here's the deal. Period. My child, Period. And so if today is that day, all you have to do is say, Lord, I, I do repent of that, of everything behind me, and I'm done with it, and I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm turning away from it. Um, and the temptations, you said the temptations, they don't, they don't go away because he's still dangling that stuff, but God says, I've erased it all. And so I'm telling you all today, if, if today's the day you say, I am done with that junk, and I do believe that you died on that cross for me. And I do believe that you put a, you call me your child and you put a period on it. And if that day is today, the heavens are screaming with joy and smiling down and shining down. And, and we are too. So I hear what I, I'd ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and if that's you today, I just want you to sort of say this out loud or to yourself or in your mind or whatever it may be. But, but if today is that day, I want you to say this and just say, Lord, I am done with it. Um, I am done with my past. I believe that you can wipe it all clean. I believe that you can look at me and you don't see that junk anymore. And so, Lord, I really do believe today that you did die on that cross and it's redemption. You bought me back from the junk in my life. And so today is the day, Lord, I, I, I do want to make you my Lord and my Savior and I do want to make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. Amen.